Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, and hopefully you had a fantastic week through Monday, Wednesday, and now today being Friday's episode. Hopefully you have a wonderful weekend planned, upcoming, or whatever may be. I know for me personally, I am in a very good mood because the Boston Bruins are currently beating the Washington Capitals 4-1 to here in Game 4 at the Boston Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Obviously, as you know, it is just so exciting. I have to go over all the official formalities because honestly, the beginning of the series, I did not expect that the Bruins would be on the brink of a 3-1 to lead in this series. Holy smokes. This game has been absolutely incredible. It has been fantastic to watch. It was so stressful early and oof, we just missed an open netter. So yes, I am still currently watching the game. There's little under three minutes left in the game and I figured I'd get a jump on the recording so I can get this thing out there sooner than later and there's really you know that nerve kind of is you know gone in the game because you're up three goals right now obviously things could change it is the National Hockey League but oh oh wait there's a scrum in the net oh my goodness wow that was that was spooky that was super spooky yeah but right now the Capitals have an empty net it is six on five and the Bruins are kind of weathering the storm at Marchand. Almost an empty netter. But yeah, so, I, you know, as the game finishes up here, I will be kind of talking about the game. I do want to get into game three, but I'll get into that just a little bit later because obviously game four is nice and fresh in all of our minds here. And of course, I will dabble in game three just a little bit. We do have some points I do want to take away from it. Oh, wow, the defenseman got a block acting as the goalie. That was crazy. Wow, <laughs> you just don't see that all too often. So yes, game four, super nutty, super, super nutty. There was no goals scored until the third period. It honestly felt like it was going to be a one nothing game. You know, one goal is going to win it. First goal could win it. And obviously looking, you know, looking back at hindsight, that's going to be the case here uh, for the Bruins being the team to score first, but no, they scored like three goals in literally like a handful of minutes. It was bizarre. And of course, my stream was buffering for the second and third goal. So I did kind of miss those, which I'm unfortunate uh, to report. But I did see the highlights, of course. And they were some crazy goals. It was awesome. And I will tell you who scored those goals in case you missed the game. Or you maybe you're listening to this, you know, over the weekend or whenever. But, you know, there's just a scrum right now in our own end. And I just want to make sure I don't miss anything, you know. Oh, what a good hit. What a good hit for Waggy. And the Bruins clear the puck. All right, so let me give you the quick goal by goal. Uh, we saw a goal from David Pasternak, finally. Charlie Coyle, Matt Grizzlick, and Brad Marchand yet again. Capitals are going to try to make a push here. Empty netter still for the past three minutes. Down 4-1. to one. Bruins penalty is over, so we have five skated to their six. And the Capitals are really trying to make something, but it's going to be a little too late, obviously. Oh, can, oh, ooh, that was close. That was close to offsides. Come on. 18 seconds left. Tuca, nice save. Tuca played fantastic. I mean, he, he got tested for, you know, he only faced 18 shots, 19. I mean, I don't know. The Capitals are just kind of barraging him right now, so it's a little bit skewed. But early in the game, there's only like four shots. For the Capitals, all like almost more than midway through the second period, and nice job. 
Uh, Tuka Rask, 54 career playoff victories, most in Bruins franchise history. So congratulations to Tuka Rask. He, he played absolutely exceptional today. And I think relatively he's been really, really good for the Bruins overall. The three stars in the game, Connor Clifton with three hits and three blocks. Charlie McAvoy with three assists in his first three-point playoff game. And David Pasternak with a goal and an assist, which is his first goal of the series, like I mentioned. All right, now that the game is over. Let's dive into the nitty-gritty of the game. So I did mention that Pasternak finally scored a goal. He also had an assist, like I just mentioned, with six shots on goal. Good to see him kind of break out here. But he had, you know, those six shots, a lot of them could have went in. I tweeted a little bit ago, midway through the third, that I was like, the Bruins could have like uh, the Bruins could have like 10 goals in this game. Holy smokes. And I do want to make a quick correction from an earlier claim. I did say there was no goals in the first and the second periods. That is not true. Bruins did score late in the second period before the end of before the end of the second period before the second intermission. So I do apologize for that false claim. Bruins did score three times in the third period, though, obviously totaling their four goals. Uh, Charlie McAvoy, like I mentioned, three assists. So that's really awesome to make, see him get really involved in the offense, being a defenseman. Matt Grizzlick scores again, which is his first goal since Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals against the St. Louis Blues two years ago. Sorry for bringing that up. It's just a fact. Taylor Hall, an assist. David Krejci, an assist. Brad Marsh, and a goal as well. And that is going to be everything. Let's see. Craig Smith with four shots on goal. Mike Riley, three. Sean Corrali, three. Patrice Bergeron, four. Krejci, three shots on goal. And like I mentioned, Pasternak with six shots on goal. Tuka Rask stopping nine, uh, 18 shots on 19 attempts for a .947 save percentage. Absolute stud in net tonight. Did let one go by. It was a power play, though, that uh, Alexander Ovechkin scored. And speaking of the um, Alexander Ovechkin scoring, he had the lone goal for the Capitals in this game, assisted um, by Backstrom and Carlson as well. There was a ton, eight. Massive amount of penalties in this game dished out today. It honestly felt like for a good period of time in the second and the third, it was just like two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes for whatever. Slashing, cross-checking, boarding, unsportsmanlike, whatever, interference. It was a good amount of interference calls today. But the Bruins were still able to stay true to their game, which is the next point I want to make. Bruins were able to play their game. The Capitals gave the Bruins their best shot early in this game to kind of ch- switch the momentum to play the Capitals' style of game. But the Bruins said, no, we're going to take your best shot, which they did in the in Game 3, that I will mention in a little bit. But the Bruins stayed true to you know their mentality, their confidence, their uh, physique, and their uh, mindset mentality to really just focus, take those hits, don't let it affect the game plan, and push forward with your game style. Really turned out well for the Bruins, obviously, since they did win. Duh. But the Bruins really able to just stay true to themselves is one of the big reasons why they're up three games to one and not on the other side of things that the Capitals are being down three games to one. Bruins did face a lot of, uh, a, a lot of heavy hits from the entire Capitals team all game whether it was in the first second or third and I saw a lot of it come in the third when the Bruins did go up three goals to none at that time Capitals were just really frustrated pissed off aggravated just really trying to rail the Bruins players you know whether it was into the ice whether it was into the boards or just you know hit them just just to hit them Bruins were able to weather that and they were able to push forward, although they did give up a goal, making it three goals to one at that time. Did not matter in the end as the Bruins did win four to one. Really loved what I saw from this team tonight. They let nothing, nothing get past them. And like I mentioned, like I mentioned, I really thought this was going to be a one goal game where it was like, you know, one nothing game, maybe a two to one game. Because it was just so close being zero zero for so long, but then just one goal scored. And then another, and then another, and it was like, all right, let's go. We got the momentum. This series has all been about momentum, and the Bruins have all the momentum right now. The Washington Capitals have almost lost their team identity. Going back to the nation's capital for Game 5, the Washington Capitals have so much to figure out. Their power play, their defense, 
trying to figure out some offensive schemes to get, you know, more pucks on net because now back-to-back games, the Capitals really haven't been able to put pucks on the net. I mean, only 19 shots tonight, and then let me... Let me pull up, uh, if I can only do such a thing, pull up game three really quickly. Nope, that's the Capitals in game three. Tuka Rask did face 37 shots, but that's in double overtime. I mean, that's in double overtime facing 37 shots. And yes, granted, double overtime, you know, Samsonov did face 43 himself. But but for the uh, Capitals in game three, a lot of that's like, you know, those shot attempts came early. And Tukarask was able to kind of hold the fort down. In in game uh in game four, the Bruins, you know, really were putting their shots on consistently all night, where in game three they kinda of struggled early, but then, you know, put on the pressure late in the game. Capitals here in game four, like I mentioned a little earlier, only had like four or five shots midway through the second period. They went shotless for like 18 or 19 minutes or whatever it was at one point in this game until they finally got a shot on net and to end the game with only giving up 19 shots for the Bruins you'll take it oh now it's 20 I guess you know they went back and checked and they now credited the Capitals with 20 shots as I keep refreshing the page as I'm bouncing around from team to team whatever but you'll take that you will absolutely take that and then the Capitals did get a lot of pressure late in the third when they, you know, had six skaters when you only had four when they were on the power play. But also midway through the third, after they scored their first goal when it was three to one, they put a lot of pressure on you then. And things got a little dicey there as well, but you were still able to hold it down. Did not let their heavy, heavy offensive pressure affect you the slightest as you were able to keep them out of the net which obviously resulted in your winning. So absolutely fantastic game from the Boston Bruins here in Game 4. And I do want to mention Game 3 a little bit. I won't go too, too much into it, but obviously I will mention it. Oh, that game, Game 3. Game 3 was on Wednesday. Kim and I were at a pub in Buffalo for that game, which you will see on our Buffalo Trip Vlog Part 3. That will be coming out shortly. I do have part one out now, so definitely go enjoy that if you wish. But game three, oh goodness. So the first period we saw no goals. And then midway through the second, I believe, I I lean over to, this was before the scoring, I lean over to Kim and I said, this feels like a one goal game. I, I felt like, you know, one goal is going to win it. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I take that back. It was one to one at the time. It was one to one at the time. It was just really back and forth, really nutty. A lot of hits, a lot of shots. And I lean over to Kim and I was like, next goal might win. Next goal might win. And, you know, um, Capitals get the next goal. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Whole third period. Kim's like, oh, we still have the rest of the second and the whole third period. I'm like, yes, that's a lot of time. I, I agree. But have you ever been sitting there watching a game and say, you know, the Bruins give up a goal and you're like, oh, there's 14 minutes left. You know, they got tons of time. Oh, there's, you know, 10 minutes left. There's tons of time. And then you look back at the clock and there's like four minutes left and you're like, oh my God, our time is running out. Yeah, that was kind of me in this game. <laughs> that was kind of me in this game. When are we going to score? When are we going to score? Then they did score, make it two to two. And then obviously overtime, we saw no goals until we got into double overtime where, who was it? Uh, Craig Smith scored a nice little wrap around the net to sneak it by Samsonov for the over double overtime winner. I don't know what he was doing there. I I understand it's a part of hockey. And when I was younger, I played goalie in soccer. So in soccer, you can't go behind the net. Hockey, you can. Lacrosse, you can. So I never had that luxury of fielding, obviously in my case, a soccer ball behind the net. So I don't I don't understand that concept, but I do from the outside looking in. And I understand goalies kind of go back there, stop the puck, set up for the other team. But, you know, I even said this to Kim. I was like, Tuka, stay in the net, stay in the net. Because the other guy, you know, and Tuka himself were both going behind the net. And I understand that's a part of hockey. I get that. But as we saw Samsonov, it bit him in the ass where he went behind the net to go field the puck. Craig Smith kind of beat them to the spot. Samsonov tried to get back in between the pipes. And Smith just kind of snuck it right in between him and the pipe. 
it you know it backfired that backfired and hey you know what i'll take it i will take it any day of the week so let me just recap the goals that we saw in game three really quickly like i mentioned craig smith had the uh, double overtime winner he also had an assist as well taylor hall had a goal and brad marchand had the other goal patrice bergeron had one assist on seven shots with charlie mcavoy having one assist on three shots as well where we saw kevin miller with an assist as well in game three and speaking of kevin miller he did get absolutely hammered in game four. Oh, who was it oh i forget who hit him oh someone for the capitals hit him was it mantha hathaway oh one of those mm, carl it's gonna bother me i can't remember who it was that absolutely railed kevin miller oh gosh was it Orlov, I'm going to go Orlov, final answer, but don't quote me on it. Don't flame me if I'm wrong. So Kevin Miller skating with the puck, you know, winger on his left, winger on his right. He goes in, enters the blue zone, the Capitals blue zone. And just as he crosses the line, Orlov or the Capitals player, I forget who it was. I'm like 80% sure that it was uh, Dmitry Orlov for the Capitals lifts off his skates and like punches his like clavicle neck area dropping Kevin Miller completely injured he was assessed a four minute double minor a small fight breaks out and Kevin Miller was out for the rest of the game as he was getting transported to a hospital he looked fine he looked dinged up he looked like he was seeing stars obviously that doesn't equate to fine but there's no blood no broken bones as it seemed he was able to skate off under his own power which is obviously a very very promising sign but, damn, to kind of go down to five defensemen is tough. It is hurtful. But luckily, the Bruins were in a pretty good spot at that point in the game. So, did it hurt them in the long run? No. Could it hurt them moving forward in this series? Potentially. I mean, obviously, we have to wait and see if Jeremy Lozon is going to come back. If not, who's the next guy up for the Bruins? Is it Jared Tenorti? I mean, shit, it might be. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. But yes, Game 5 will be Sunday, May 23rd at 7 p.m. in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Really looking forward to the Bruins closing the series out. It's not going to be easy. You can expect the Capitals to go make adjustments, like I said, offensive scheme, play sets, whatever, just to get more scoring opportunities, more shots on net to really test Tuca all throughout the game, not just in kind of spurts here and there. Penalty. Uh, their their power play, I should say. They run the same sets, and it's just also boring. They're just passing the puck at the top. They'll get it to the bumper and the slot, and they'll just like, get a shot if they're lucky. They had six power plays all night, and only three of them they had at least one shot on. So the other three had no shots. That's half. So for 12 minutes of five-on-four or you know power play hockey, they had zero shots on half of them. So six minutes. They had zero penalty power play shots. That's a problem. 12 total minutes of power play and six of them, no shots when you had the man advantage. That's tough. And then obviously their goaltending situation, I think Samsonov is doing really good. He is not the reason why the Bruins are winning this series, he's not the reason why they scored four goals in this game or three goals in the last game. Is Craig Anderson going to be the solution to the Capitals' goaltending issues? Probably not. And to be honest, I don't know the health of uh, Vitek Vanacek, the original starting goalie for the uh, Washington Capitals. He did have that groin injury on that Jake DeBrus goal where he kind of split out in game one. Don't know his situation. We'll obviously not know who the goaltender is until game five or like, you know, 10 minutes before game five until we see who skates on first for the Capitals. But for the Bruins, three things I'm looking for for the Bruins. Maintaining your play style in this series. The Washington Capitals love to go after players, hit them, you know, be rough, be rowdy, be physical. That's not the Bruins play style. Like I mentioned before, all series, they can play up to that play style if needed. They can take those hits when needed. But that's not their play style. 
the reason why the Bruins have won three straight games and are now up three games to one in the series is because they are playing their play style. If the Bruins can keep doing that, they should have, I don't want to say no problem, but closing out in game five will be a little easier for them. Number two, just keep applying the pressure. Keep applying the pressure. More shots on net will result in more pucks in the net. It's just that simple. 40 plus shots on um, <clears throat> Samsonov in game three. Let me hold on, let me get back to it. Okay, let's see. Let's let's just just go over. Um, okay, so in tonight's game, he faced 37 shots, and in game three, game three, he faced 43 shots. And then if we look at game two, nope, that's the Bruins. Let me go to the Capitals. Craig Anderson faced 48 shots. Put pucks on the net. And then game one, let's just do it because why not? Um, Vanacek faced four and Craig Anderson faced 22. So that is a combined 26. And you lost. Put pucks on the net. It will create opportunity. It'll put duress on the goaltender. It'll put pressure on the Capitals' defense where they will have to spend energy down in their blue zone and not in yours. That is a key right there where you're able to play your play style through putting pucks on the net, whether it's running your offense, whether it's you know passing the puck around, looking for the most open shot, or just simply just barraging the goaltender with shots. Just put pucks on the net, please. That's two. Number three, Tuka Rask. I mean, he's been playing very, very well. Yes, he gave up three goals in game one and in game two. But in game three, two goals, game four, one goal. He's looking really good. He's looking really good. And tonight, he looked exceptional, making crazy saves, making crazy blocks. And, you know, that's a testament to the Bruins' defense playing very well right now. And it's also a testament to the Capitals' offense struggling very well. But having a goaltender's mind right filled with confidence will help soar you to hopefully completing the series, uh, the series win, right? And it'll ho- hopefully help you kind of soar throughout the rest of the playoffs. Because Tuka Rask is probably the most important player on this Bruins team. And you can say that about any goalie for any team. If you don't have a good goaltender, you're not going to win. No disrespect to Yaroslav Halak, but last year he did have his ups and downs. He did have his moments. But ultimately, in the end, he did kind of fumble the bag. And he was a reason why we ended up losing that series to the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning last year. So if Tuka's mind can be right and he's playing the way that he knows, which I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, series and the beginning of the playoffs, if Tuka can play like he knows, he's a top three, maybe top five goalie in this league, or I should say top five, maybe top three goalie in this league. And you will win series. So I'm looking for Tuka Rask to hopefully play right and great yet again here in Game 5 on Sunday. Those are my three big takeaways for the Bruins that I'm looking forward in Game 5. Hopefully, come Monday's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk, we do not need to talk about a Game 6. Hopefully, we don't have to. Right now, Bruins are in a commanding three games to one lead. They need to win one game in the next three games. Hopefully, they can just do it in Game 5. Hopefully, the Capitals will just fold. Hopefully, the Bruins will still have their number and can just outplay them in every facet of the game, as we have seen kind of in Game 3 and definitely here in Game 4 for sure. Really would like to just kind of talk about the series as a whole on Monday and who we could potentially see in the next round as it is the Penguins and the Islanders right now. And just to take a quick sneak peek in, Game 4 for them is tomorrow at 3 p.m. in the afternoon where the Pittsburgh Penguins are up two games to one as the Islanders won the first game and the Penguins won games two and three. The series is in Long Island, so the Islanders will have home ice, but does it really matter in hockey? Not necessarily, but just to to peek our nose in there just to see what's ahead if we do get there but I do not want to get ahead of myself I refuse it I refuse to get my head ahead of myself 
three games to one lead doesn't necessarily mean the series is over. You still have to go out there and execute, and I have full faith and confidence that the Bruins could do so. But one team, <laughs> you guys know, you. I'm not going to beat around the bush. You know exactly where I'm going to go with this. As I talk all this praise and all this glory about the Bruins, of course I have little to no confidence about the Celtics in their series against the Brooklyn Nets. Nope, 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 nope. None at all. I really don't. Game one tomorrow, though, in Brooklyn at 8 p.m. tip-off. Game two is Tuesday the 25th at 7.30. And then the series will switch over to Boston for games three and four. Game three, Friday. I hate how they have two games, two days in between sometimes. Like, that's so stupid. It should just be game off, game off, game off. That's so stupid. I I hate how they drag out playoff basketball series sometimes. Oh, it is so freaking annoying. Okay, well, what am I looking forward to in this um, Celtics series? Don't get swept. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to is don't get your ass swept. Please and thank you. Celtics are 0-3 against the Nets this year. Do I have a lot of confidence that they could win four here in a matter of a seven-game series? Not really. Not really. You have one star, potential superstar player in Jason Tatum. Meanwhile, they have three superstars in Durant, Irving, and Harden. Say what you want about Harden and Irving. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Now, if the Celtics can go out and play against the Nets in all potential games like they did against the Warriors on Tuesday, they have a shot. I'm not going to say they're going to win the series, but I'll say they'll have a shot. They could steal a game or two. I ultimately don't really see the Celtics getting past five games. I'm just going to be blatantly honest. I'm not going to be a green team. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, if they can just, you know, split the first four games, you know, home and home series. So now it's 2-2. Maybe steal game five because they have the momentum. And then, you know, game six, they're back at home. They could win. And, but if they don't, anything can happen in Game 7. I'm not going to sit here and do that to you. I'm not. I really don't know what area the Celtics are better in. Maybe head coach. I'll give you head coach. How about that? Comes down to X's and O's. Brad Stevens is obviously better than Steve Nash. But right now, besides that, what area are the Celtics better than? The Nets? Now, there's probably some statistical little analytical thing out there where the Celtics are better than the Nets. I don't know. Uh, dribbles per game in related to shot attempts. I don't freaking know. <laughs> okay. It's but like a dumbass stat like that because everything is so analytically advanced nowadays. Realistically, if the Celtics lose the first two games, it's over. It's over. If they can somehow split and it becomes a best of five and you have home court advantage now, there's a conversation to be had there. There is. Still have little to no faith that they'll do it. But there's something there to talk about because you were able to win one game. But how can you turn that one game into three more? So, like I said, if it, if they're down 2 nothing coming back to Boston, I think it's going to be a wrap from that point. At, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be non-biased. I'm trying to be positive. But I'm trying to be realistic. If they go down to nothing, you have to win the next two. Obviously, you can't go back to Brooklyn down 3-1. You just can't. You can't. Okay? But let's focus on game one first. Let's see what we're really up against here in game one. Because is Tatum going to be able to take on the full power of the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, let's say, let's just hypothetically say that Tatum can match Kevin Durant's production. Let's just say, okay, just work with me here. Marcus Smart can hold Kyrie Irving, okay? Whatever you think holding is, hold Kyrie Irving. What about James Harden? What about him? Okay, let, let's put 
Marcus Smart on James Harden. Well, what about Kyrie? Not having Jalen Brown is not going to be the reason why you win or lose this. Actually, having Jalen Brown would be the reason why you win this series or could be a reason why. But have, not having Jalen Brown is not a reason why you're going to lose this series. If that's not. Because, okay, you put Marcus Smart on Kyrie. You put Jalen Brown on Harden. You put um, Jason Tatum on Durant. Sure, whatever. But do you still have enough? Yeah, you got Kemba Walker, but... I mean, I guess he doesn't really play all that great defense, so I guess maybe him and James Harden's a wash. But when you look at it, who would you rather have, James Harden or Kemba Walker? I'm going to take Harden because he can drop triple doubles, he can drop 40 in a minute, and he's good on the offensive side of things, of course. Kemba Walker, who's been up and down all season, he's been looking nice past couple games um, as we get closer here, as we got closer to the playoffs, and obviously that play-in game against the Wizards. You know, almost around 30 or so points. But any second he takes, you know, the wrong move or he twists, you know, he cuts the wrong way and then knees out and then it's over for him. It's over for him. I, you know, I'm trying to give you optimism, confidence, and hope that this is going to be a good series. I just don't think it will be. I really don't. If you can, okay, so even if you lose game one, but it's a close game, there's something there to work with. This first game for the Boston Celtics is going to be so crucial, and it might be the most important game of the series, unless it goes into game seven, all right? Unless it miraculously goes game seven, game one will be the most important game for the uh, Celtics, because it's going to tell us everything. It is going to tell us how much faith that they have in themselves how bad they really want this and how good they really are because a lot of people are picking the Nets to get to the finals and also win the finals because the Lakers are in the same spot that the Celtics are in being the seventh seed having to face Phoenix but when you look at that series and you look at hmm Lakers are sons a lot of people are still picking the Lakers because they have LeBron James Anthony Davis and them boys out there meanwhile you have a ah uh, you have a inconsistent but playing better Kemba Walker and a hopeful superstar in the making. Hopefully you can play up to it in Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is going to have to average probably 40 points a game if you want any chance to win in this series. That's just a fact and not an opinion. I'm sorry. But yeah, a lot of people have the Nets winning the uh, NBA Finals or at least getting there. And in order for them to do so, they got to go through you. So are you going to let that happen? Or are you, are you going to roll over like a dog? Or are you actually going to play Boston Celtics basketball and beat this inferior franchise? Because don't forget, do not forget, almost 10 years now. It's almost been 10 years. Crazy to think that. It's been like eight, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been like eight now that the Celtics fleeced the Brooklyn Nets in that Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade. To get like, I don't know, six draft picks back. Get bum players for two aging Hall of Famers who are almost washed up. Oh, and Jason the Jet Terry. So, but now they're the two seed. You're the seven seed. And they're closer to winning a finals than you are. And they got fleeced eight years ago. And they didn't have lottery draft picks. They didn't have top three, top five draft picks like you had. Granted, they went out and they spent money and they're winning their championship because, you know, if they had the roster that they had two years ago, they wouldn't be the two seed. But you know what? It is what it is. People, for some reason, want to play in New York. I get it. Big market and all that good stuff. I've been to New York Times Square a couple times. Not a big fan of it, to be honest. But that's just my opinion. People love the market of New York, the life in Times Square and all the good stuff that New York has to offer. Not saying that Boston is better. But it is what it is. People want to go to the big markets. New York, Los Angeles, Miami. You could even argue Chicago, sure. Boston, it's kind of that second tier market. And that's kind of why we had problems drawing in free agents. We did draw in Al Horford. We drew in Kemba Walker. We didn't draw in Ky uh, Kyrie Irving because we traded for him. Oh, Gordon Hayward as well. And you struck out on Kevin Durant five years ago. However long it was, six years ago, whenever it was. 
Nothing against not that's nothing about you. It could be more about the city. Maybe it is about you. I don't really know. But you know, I'm kind of getting off topic here. Celtics, Nets, 8 p.m. tip off tomorrow, Saturday. Really looking forward to it. Like I mentioned, game one will tell us a lot that we will need to know of how this uh series will play out. At the start of the Bruins series, I had so much more confidence that they could uh beat the Capitals than I do with the Celtics beating the Nets. That's just my thoughts about the Celtics and the Nets series. But I want to hear yours. Reach out to me on social media at Merce underscore Boston ST. Or if you're watching on YouTube, please leave your comments down below. I'd love to hear them as well. What do you think about the Celtics Nets series as game one is just 22 hours away now from the time of recording? I'm very interested to see what the people of Boston and the New England area have to say about that switching over to baseball let's just talk about the Sox really quickly I know you know game in and game out it's hard to kind of keep up with them because they're playing every damn day they're not in the playoffs it doesn't really matter but it kind of does you know grand scheme of things Red Sox right now are currently let's go let's start with the game let's go with the game first they are currently winning eight to three as they play the Philadelphia Phillies in Philly you know so wow Bruins are playing in D.C., the Celtics are playing in Brooklyn, and the Red Sox are playing in Philly. Wow, they're all, I mean, obviously not the same market, but, you know, they're kind of close together, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, and, you know, the DMV area. Anyways, Red Sox up 8-3 to three against the Phillies. Uh, let's see, standings. Let's jump to the standings. Sox have a one-game lead on the Rays, a one-and-a-half game on the Yankees, and a two-and-a-half game lead on the Blue Jays. Red Sox just left their series with the Blue Jays as they won two out of three. So they're able to gain a game on them. Checking in on the Yankees real quick. One to one in the bottom of the ninth inning against the White Sox in their first game against the White Sox. So that's something to keep a lookout on. The Rays, they are currently five to five against the Blue Jays in the top of the sixth. Okay. And then, like I mentioned with the Red Sox, you are eight and three or eight to three. Oh, middle eighth now. No runs in the top of the eighth. Let's see. How had how did we get here? Oh, Danny Santana uh, is making his Red Sox debut. So we signed him off waivers, I believe. I forget from where. Texas, maybe? And, you know, he went through waivers. Sox cl- claimed him. Went to uh, the alternate site down in Pawtucket, now at Worcester. And injuries kind of pop up. So, hey, we need him. in his first game, he's going to be the first baseman. Hitting, you know, leadoff. Is it his first game? Hmm, let me check. I think it's his first game. He's a super utility guy. He plays infield, outfielder. Yeah, set for Red Sox debut Friday. So it's good to see him up. He is one for four with one run and one RBI. Interesting. Uh, Alex Verdugo is three for three today. Three hits and three at-bats with two RBIs. Enrique Hernandez hitting third. Um, oh, no, he went in for Verdugo. I was going to say, what? Okay, anyways, uh, J.D. Martinez, he is one for three with two runs and a walk. Bogarts, one for four with two RBIs. Devers, two for four with one run and three RBIs. Vasquez, one hit and four at-bats with one run. Hunter Renfro, one for four with an RBI. Marwin Gonzalez, over four. And Martin Perez, over three. Uh, Did we expect much there? I don't think so. But speaking of Martin Perez, he went six strong innings, giving up three earned on five hits with seven strikeouts and one walk. Can't complain with that line right there. But yeah, and I, I just kind of noticed this, but the Philadelphia Phillies gave up three errors. So, you know, I don't really know the whole box score of such, but could those three errors turn it into eight runs? Sure, maybe. But you know what? Play defense. It's part of the game. And speaking, speaking a part of the game, do we know about the whole Yerman Mercedes 3-0 count Grand Slam against, I don't even know who the hell it was. Uh, who was it? Who did he hit it up? I'm, I'm trying to look it up really quickly. Oh, goodness. Oh, against the uh, Minnesota Twins. That's right, because... Um, Oh, the the big new Bartolo Colon guy. Um, <laughs> Williams, Astuldillo, something like that. I, I kind of had to look it up, and I can't even pronounce it because I'm a little stupid. But, yes, 
uh, I, when was it? The other day, the 18th or so, maybe the 17th. The White Sox were up. Uh, okay, yeah, it was the 17th. The White Sox were up 15 to four or something like that. They were blowing out the uh, the Twins in Minnesota. Obviously, a position player comes on the mound. As Todilo kind of pitches a little bit, and I say kind of, I mean in blowouts, whether it's one way or another. Mm, excuse me. And nice little slow pitch curveball. I don't know. It was 3-0, whatever. Does it really matter at this point in the game? No. I guess Mercedes got the uh, got the take sign from the dugout, and he went to go crush a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch. Now, this is a very similar similar situation it's actually pretty much the same situation that Fernando Tatis Jr. faced last year when the Padres were in Texas playing against the Rangers and they were up by like 10 runs or whatever late in the game and he too had a 3-0 count got the I don't know I don't even think he got the take sign but it's quote-unquote one of those unwritten rules in baseball and he hit a grand slam and then he came out to apologize about it and Yammer Mercedes I guess didn't know or like you know it's going to face consequences about it, but it's like, it's baseball. Stop complaining. It's baseball. Seriously, like you guys are grown men here in baseball. And I kind of want to point out what Trevor Bauer said about the situation. And then I'll jump back to what Tony La Russa said, because I think what Trevor Bauer said is so much more important than what Tony La Russa said. Uh, Tony La Russa is the White Sox manager, and Trevor Bauer is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, which I'm assuming we all know, but you never know. There could be people that don't know, and I just want to try to make sure I cover all my bases here. But anyways, let me pull up the quote about Trevor Bauer because I loved what he said. I absolutely loved what he said about it. So this is what Trevor Bauer said. Dear hitters, if you hit a 3-0 homer off me, I will not consider it a crime. Dear people who are still mad about a hitter hitting, kindly get out of the game. Can't believe we're still talking about 3-0 swings. If you don't like it, managers or pitchers, just be better. Now keep in mind, we are talking about the Major League Baseball, MLB, professionals. This shouldn't be acted upon like it's Little League. I mean, Trevor Bauer is completely, completely right. It's just, if we're going to care about people's... Now, we're going to care about people's feelings, then you go back to Little League. Go play softball, like, you know, adult softball. I'm not talking about, like, professional softball. You know, slow-pitch softball, whatever. That's where you go care about feelings. You know, having a good time, you know, just shooting the shit. Now, I understand there's a thing about respect, sportsman-like, you know, all that good stuff. Dude, stop. It's pro baseball. People make a living in this game. Yerman Mercedes was an up-and-coming kid last year. This year, he's kind of broke out onto the scene. He started off super freaking hot, kind of cooled down. But in a couple years... He may be out of the league. We don't know. We don't know, okay? Him hitting a grand slam, kind of padding his stats, you know, kind of making himself look better when it comes time to uh, reevaluate his contract or his, even his just playing status. You really going to take, you know, take beef with that? Like, I mean, you're really going to get upset over that? And, like, the guy on the mound is a positional player, so his ERA doesn't matter. He is not going – his roster status will not be – determined based off his pitching record. It's going to be based off of if he can hit the ball, if he can feel the ball or not. That's what that's what his status is going to be determined about, not his pitching status. So why does it matter? He's on the mound because the Twins gave up 15 runs and they were only able to score four. So, I mean, if any, if we're going to feel bad about anything, we should feel about bad about the Twins fans for having to watch that game go into the game all excited like oh yeah twins white Sox, little rivalry maybe get some sparked going we're struggling but hey listen we're playing the white Sox. let's get a good one here and then they only score four runs four runs fine whatever you can get excited about four runs sure 
but you gave up 15. Yeah, you gave up 15. Like, if it was, uh, I don't know, 25 to nothing and this happened, I would probably still feel the same way about it. Because it's pro baseball. Major League Baseball. And there is no crying in baseball. So I do want to kind of jump to Tony La Russa, the manager of the White Sox, what he said about it. Um, Tony La Russa was, quote, upset that Yerman Mercedes hit a th- uh, home run on a 3-0 count last night. Obviously, this is from a few days ago in a blowout win. Quote from La Russa, he made a mistake. There will be a consequence he has to endure here within our family. Come on. Come on. Like, seriously, I understand Tony La Russa, one of the greatest, greatest managers of all time in this league, has, I don't even know how many wins. Let's look it up real quick. I know it's over, well over 1,000. Is it close to 2,000? Let's find out really quickly. He has, oh, Jesus. Oh, I was so off. My God, 2,753 wins in his 33 years as a manager. He also retired for a little bit, and then he got back into coaching. So maybe even picture another 300 wins on that. He has third most wins of all time behind Coney Mack and John McGraw. Okay, so I was very off. At least I said it was over 1,000, right? I was kind of right. He's been around the league, and he's seen a lot in 33 years of coaching. He's probably been in baseball more for like 50. And... This is what you're upset about in all your years of being in baseball. This is what you're upset about. I just, I I don't, I don't get it. Like, I love what Trevor Bauer said because this dude is just looking at baseball the way it should be looked at. When Fernando Tatis Jr. hit hit that second home run off him a couple weeks ago in that like first, I believe, first Dodgers Padres series of the season. Fernando Tatis Jr. was running around the bases covering one eye because in spring training, um, Trevor Bauer, you know, said like, oh, I'm going to strike you out with one eye closed. And he did or whatever. And he, you know, showboated about it. So Fernando Tatis Jr. showboated by running around the bases with one eye closed. Big backflip. At the end of the game, Trevor Bauer was like, he got me. He deserves it. If he wants to showboat, he can. He, he beat me. It's like that's the kind of attitude in the mindset you need to have on baseball. You can't go crying to your mommy and daddy that you gave up a grand slam when you were getting blown out. Or you shouldn't be crying that you're beating your divisional rival. Now, let me just... I know the Twins have kind of fallen off a little bit um, in the uh, American League Central. But let's just quickly look at the division. White Sox are... This is currently now. I mean, I don't know what it was a few days ago. But currently now, the Twins are 11 games back in the division. Is that Grand Slam really going to matter to them? No. Was that Grand Slam going to matter to the White Sox? No. So, yes, I, I understand the whole sportsman thing. Baseball is a very respected sport. I understand that. But come on. Come on now. Like, let's just play the game of baseball for the way it is and just move on. There's no need to make this big of a deal because it's going to happen again. And when it happens again, are we going to look for that player to get on the podium before the game and say, listen, pitcher, I am so sorry that your team sucks and you were down by 10 runs in one game last night. And I'm sorry that you sucked for going uh, down in the count 3-0 to me. And I'm sorry that I'm a good hitter and I destroyed a meatball that you thrown to me down the middle and I crushed it 450 yards, um, feet. <laughs> 450 yards, holy smokes. But yeah, 450 feet, you know what I'm saying. So I'm sorry that I'm good. And then my team is good. And I'm sorry that your team is buttery ass. And you suck. Do you accept my apology? Like, do we really expect this to happen? The same thing with the the Padres and Rangers last year. uh, Padres are a good team. They were up big. Rangers are a bad team. They were down big. Does it matter? Let me know what you think down below because I'm done ranting about this. I think it's absolutely stupid. I think Trevor Bauer is completely right. And that anybody that thinks that hitting a home run, whether it's a grand slam or just a home run, two run, three, one, doesn't matter. On a 3-0 count when you're up by 10 runs is unsportsmanlike or, you know, disrespectful. I think stepping on the white chalk in between innings 
you know, going out onto the field or coming back on from the field is more disrespectful than that. Walking across the pitchers now, when you're not a pitcher, whether you're, um, you know, walking around the infield or whatever, or if you, you know, you say you hit a fly ball and you're halfway to second base and you have to go back to the dugout and you run across the pitcher's mound, that's more disrespectful than the whole home run thing when you're up big. Like, come on. Let's just be realistic here. But seriously, let me know what you think down below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on audio-only platforms, definitely, definitely reach out to me on social media. I want to hear your thoughts and opinions about this because you know, clearly you know how I feel about this, but I want to hear what you have to think. Am I the only one that feels like this? Or do I have people backing me up like I'm backing up Trevor Bauer on this situation? But nonetheless, that is going to do it for today's episode. Sorry that it is being released a little bit later. I do apologize for that. But like I said, I do want to kind of watch the Bruins, soak that all in and get the episode out there so I can talk about Game 4 like I was able to instead of more of a Game 4 preview, if that makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, come Monday's episode, we can talk about the conclusion of the series and what to look ahead for against maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who knows? And also come on Monday, we'll have a good idea of what that Bruin, uh, that's <laughs> that Celtics net series is going to look like. But at the end of the day, I hope, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather. It's going to be 90 degrees tomorrow here in Rhode Island. Let me just get a quick double check. It's going to be Wow, it was oh, it's gonna be 91 on Sunday and it's gonna be 84 on Saturday. There's supposed to be some rain, I think, one of those days, but it seems like it's gone. So 84 tomorrow, 91 on Sunday, and then back down into the upper 60s on Monday. So enjoy the beautiful weather. Be outside, do something fun, and I will catch you on Monday's edition of Merce Boston Sports Talk. But until then, you know the drill. You know that I love you, and I will see ya. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.